Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In my previous program, I referenced the coming so-called New Year. I say so-called because it's inaccurate. It's on the calendars that we use here in the United States of America and in various parts of the world. But it's inaccurate. It's not the beginning of the year. The year doesn't begin in the grip of the coldest time of year. Instead, it's a beginning of life, as it were, with flowering of trees and bushes and flowers and crops, what have you. That takes place in the beginning of the year, not ice as far as the eye can see. And you might say, well, wait a minute, what about Antarctica and the Arctic and so forth? Well, accepting those places, those polar extremes. In the habitable parts of the world, as God refers to it, the habitable parts of the world or the habitable parts of the earth, the beginning of the year is not marked by ice and snow and temperatures below, not just below freezing, but below zero, as they are where I live and have been for weeks uh, on end. But the beginning of the year, even if this is an inaccurate beginning of the year, and it is, it still serves a purpose. And that is to reflect on prior year and prior years and to once again resolve to make efforts to improve upon what we have done in the preceding time. It's not just a matter of some carnal, secular idea of wanting to uh, turn over some new leaf about some little item or other, some trivial things having to do with uh, the ever-popular ones of wanting to lose X amount of weight or whatever it might be. But in fact, (laughs) uh, we are instructed in a in that old tome the bible the only true compass that we have that we are to count our days and we are to take stock of time so that we may use this life productively and not waste it. Now, I am, of course, greatly uh, using poetic license with regard to that. That is not remotely a direct quote. But that is the gist of a scripture in the Bible. Well, what are we to do? Should we go on down the path that the United States has been going now for not just years or even decades, but decades upon decades upon decades of going further and further and further downhill, degrading ourselves, destroying the moral fabric, the mores of this nation as we pander to the worst in society and around the world, and as we seek the 
approval, the aplomb of the libertines and the degenerates. I mean, is that what we should do? Because that's what this nation has been doing. This nation has many, many challenges ahead of it, as do the nations around the world. This pertains to every part of the world, but no place more than the United States of America. And that is the challenges that we face are ever so greatly of our own making. And our choice of how to address them will determine what we face in the future. Going back hundreds of years in this land, in this country, the earliest to arrive here in this country now known as, and it has been known for some time, as America to some and United States of America to others and the U.S. or the U.S.A. to others. Those first arriving, the Pilgrims and the Puritans, yes, there were Indians here, Native Americans, if you prefer, indigenous tribal peoples, if you will. But those earliest arriving who hazarded their lives, their honor, their treasure, and most importantly, their families and loved ones, in order to seek freedom, in order to seek a place where they could freely worship the true God, free from vicious ruthless persecution from the Roman Catholic institution, institutional hierarchy, from the Holy Roman Empire and such, and those who served it, and others, they believed that what took place in their lives, very basic things that took place in their lives, that these things were directly tied, directly connected, attributable to their behavior. There are a great many things that do happen in this life that are not due to an individual's behavior. Monstrous evil violence can be visited upon and all too often is visited upon good people, godly people, darling, sweetheart, young women, children. All too often in this United States of America and elsewhere in the world, the vicious, ruthless, brutal, savage, sadistic destroyers typically target the good, the kind, the gentle, the loving, the giving, the caring, the wide-eyed, trusting ones. They normally don't target the cyborgs. Okay. They target those whom they target, not only because in so very many instances, these are the easiest marks, the easiest targets, because they are innocent, unsuspecting, trusting, and so forth. 
but they also target those who are the most vulnerable in other respects. Seemingly the weakest, smaller, weaker, defenseless, helpless, whether that happens to be preborn babies, protected only by their mothers and fathers, or not protected by them, or children, young children, infants, toddlers, young children on up through the tweeners and the teens and the young adults, and then all the way up through elderly people. There are all kinds of different categories of those whom they will target for one reason or another. But they normally do not go after those who they fear will inflict harm upon them. That just is not what takes place as a general rule of thumb. There are exceptions, of course, and we see this with the gang warfare in the inner cities. When you hear about the death tolls in Chicago, you understand that the majority, the overwhelming majority of those fatalities are young people, mostly males, in inner city gangs, accepting those innocents who are slaughtered incidentally in the process of the gang warfare. Monstrously and tragically, whether it happens to be via drive-by shooting or mistaken identities or other such things. Or just bullets flying. But normally the destroyers target soft targets, if you will. And this has gone on through history. Normally they will focus on those. Now when it comes to out-and-out warfare and armies, that's a different matter not to be including the terrorism that the terrorists describe as holy warfare and so forth. But while there are things that occur in our lives that are attributable to ourselves, that we are responsible for, there are a great many that we are not responsible for. But the earliest settlers, the pilgrims, the Puritans, they attributed things such as droughts, floods, monstrous inclement weather, and so on and so forth, to personal behavior, to sin. And it was typical for them not only to cry out to God and to pray, but to fast. And in many instances, uh, fasting was not even voluntary. It was more a matter of starving. But here in the United States of America of today, we are so advanced, we have progressed so terribly far, We are so much more enlightened, so much more intelligent, so much more knowledgeable, or are we, that nothing is attributed to personal behavior. Nothing. I'm going to talk about some of these things here in a minute, but just to give an example, a small example, here over the past, I don't know how long now, few decades, there has been much made about that women who are raped, who 
have gone into extremely dangerous situations and who have been drinking heavily and using drugs and this, that, and the other thing, that they are as innocent of victims as some girl, some young woman kidnapped out of her parents' house. It's not true. But we don't really have an appetite for truth in the United States of America. We have appetites for many other things. And the entertainment industry, and the entertainment industry includes sports, but the entertainment industry fans the fires of, panders to, not only creating lusts, but fanning them and increasing them and so on and so forth. And you know, sex sells. But for instance, the bloodlust entertainment. Bloodlust movies, horror movies, slasher movies, monstrous movies that have comprised a significant amount of what is created by the film industry. And then the softer core version of those things, you know, with the the vampires and the zombies and various different things such as that. But then, again, speaking of these appetites, the porn industry and the bloodlust elements of the porn industry and how that has perverted the social fabric in this nation. Not just that, an enormous amount of that makes its way into the hands of underaged individuals, of minors, but that it incites individuals who are not underage to prey upon underage, chiefly girls as compared to boys. And this nation's okay with it. When you look at what this government the federal government, the state governments, the municipal governments, what they have done relative to this. We have promoted it. We have legalized it. We have not just allowed it, we have rewarded this exploitation of the best of the gentlest, the kindest, the most innocent, the most vulnerable, those who are the most deserving of the protection of any righteous, legitimate government. And we have stripped them of that. All the way from pre-birth, all the way up with induced abortion, the promotion of that, the legalization of that, the enablement of that, the assistance of that, the rewarding of that, the persecution of those opposed to that. Along with infanticide, corrupting and perverting the children to believe that sodomy is natural, that sexual perversion is natural, that male and female is not definite, is not exclusive. It's it's mind-boggling. That sodomy is honorable and normal and natural. That family can mean anything. Anything. 
all the way to euthanasia, to court-ordered execution of innocent individuals because they have not sufficiently recovered from wounds, from injuries, from illnesses, from stroke, from attempted murder. And so they are put to death by court orders, starved and dehydrated to death over days and days of time. Meanwhile, we have vast numbers of vicious, ruthless destroyers roaming the nation, invariably armed while the public citizenry whom they are targeting typically are unarmed and unaware and in so many places are prevented from arming themselves. And we have these gun-free safe areas which are safe only for the destroyers to come in and to slaughter because they know They will not face resistance. So what is that saying? Is it like, I don't know. Doesn't seem right to me. Shooting fish in a barrel or something like that. But... Meanwhile, in our prisons, we have a great many absolute destroyers and others that are being trained, apprenticed to be absolute destroyers. Learning at the knee of absolute destroyers. Not being executed regardless of the heinous, monstrous, multiple savage crimes they've committed against good and godly people, darlings and innocents. Not only not being executed, but in prison for comparatively brief periods of time, released even ahead of those times because those, the charges have been pled down, courtesy of the wonderful judicial profession, then they're released ahead of time, even ahead of when they're supposedly due to be released, courtesy of the parole boards and courtesy of governmental fiat due to overcrowding in the prisons, or due to bureaucratic incompetence and back out on the streets able to continue to prey on the innocent and the good and the darling. And then we have those who have come north of the border, typically. Some come south of the border, but who have committed vicious, heinous crimes elsewhere, and they come into the United States of America to do the same. Now, is that the overwhelming majority of those who enter the United States of America illegally? No, I don't believe that. But what is our response to those destroyers who are not citizens? Those destroyers who commit Kidnap, rape, murder. Kidnap, rape, prostitution, human trafficking. What's our response? Do we execute them? Oh, no, we can't do that because we can't do such inhumane things as executing destroyers. We can execute preborn babies. Viciously, ruthlessly, monstrously. And we can starve and dehydrate 
innocent people over periods of days. But we cannot execute destroyers because that just would be wrong. But not only can we not execute them for committing heinous murders, we cannot execute them for kidnap, rape, prostitution, human trafficking. Always used to be, you know, in yesteryear, back when we were unenlightened and uninformed, you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, but not now. We're so advanced. But we also, we can't keep them in prison. We have to send them home. Send them back to Mexico or wherever they're from so they can come back to the United States of America, turn around and come back to the United States of America and commit more of the same crimes. It is so wise and wonderful. And this isn't just from the Nancy Pelosi's and Diane Feinstein's and Barbara Boxer's. The Democrats, all right? The Hillary Rodham Clintons and Bill Clintons and Barack Hussein Obamas and Michelle Obamas and Joe Bidens. It's not just the Democrats. I would say the leftists, but... In point of fact, that is the Democrats. But it's also the so-called, and of course, these typically refer to themselves as either liberals or moderates or centrists or whatever. But it's also those in the Republican ranks who are of the moderate centrist variety, the Susan Collinses and so on and so forth. But it's also the would-be conservatives like President Donald Trump who has, in his State of the Union address and so forth, displayed his extreme hard line against these from outside the United States of America, who have committed heinous crimes here in the United States of America, whom he has referred to as committing such crimes. He uses different words. but And to show his toughness, how he's going to deal with them, he's going to have them deported. Wow. How tough can you get, huh? So after they have committed monstrous, murderous crimes against multitudes of innocents, of good people, godly people, darling sweethearts, what have you, then we're going to round them up and deport them for having committed these crimes. That will solve it, won't it? That's right, not just from the leftists, not just from the centrists, the moderates, but from the would-be conservatives. And I don't know, maybe there are even some actual, factual, whatever those would be, conservatives who happen to take issue with him about that. I, I have been, haven't heard such, but perhaps there are. You don't deal with destroyers that way. That is not the way you protect the citizenry from enemies foreign and domestic. That's not the way you fulfill the single most critically important duty of any legitimate government to protect its citizenry. But it's the way things are done in the United States of America of today and in every Western nation, every nation which is described as being a Western nation. So in other words, all of the nations that are something other than communist dictatorships, 
something other than fascist dictatorships. Something other than these Islamo-fascist dictatorships. In every Western nation, this is the way things are done with, I would say, you know, there are, I'm sure there are exceptions. The notable exception that comes to mind to me, and there undoubtedly are some others out there, but the one that jumps out to me is the Russian Federation. But I would just have this proviso. The Russian Federation is, in point of fact, a dictatorship. And it is not communist. And strictly speaking, it is not fascist. It is nationalist. And it is closer to fascist than to anything else. The free government, the democratic government of President Putin is something shy of a democracy. It has democratic trappings, if you will. It is disguised as a democracy, but in point of fact, it is not. But in all of these enlightened Western nations, in North America, in South America, Central America, throughout Europe, from Scandinavia on down through Israel, and in other parts of the world, this is the way things are done. The destroyers are allowed, permitted, to prey upon the good. And they are the recipients of de facto reward for so doing because not only do they receive the intrinsic reward of destroying, which gives them great joy and pleasure and delight and satisfaction, Joy may be uh, a misstatement. I don't know that they experience joy, but gratification. But then they are encouraged to keep on doing it because they are not punished for doing it. Before I continue, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After All is Said and Done is this program. And whatever's good about it, right about it, true in it, is thanks to God Almighty and his Christ Jesus. Whatever's wrong, lacking, failing, is on me. But so here we are, again, supposedly commencing a new year. We have months to go before the new year, but commencing a new year. So how are we going to approach things this year? Are we going to continue down this road to destruction by allowing the destroyers to prey upon the good? Are we going to go on down this road to destruction by pandering to the worst in this world? To go on pandering to those who corrupt, subvert, pervert the innocent. I don't know if you have been watching any television. For many years, I did not watch any television, any movies. For many years, for for a big chunk of years, I did not. And while there were benefits or good things about that. There were negative things, too. Ironically, I I was not able to recognize certain things because I failed to 
be made aware of some things. It wasn't with regard to news stories. I kept abreast of that, what have you. But there were other things going on that I was not aware of. And whether we watch television, whatever that is, or get our information, all of it online, or if it's all word of mouth and it's family and friends and loved ones and strangers and what have you, it's always filtered. It's always screened some way, shape, or other. And we need to decipher it. We need to look through whatever it is that we are receiving, and we need to carefully consider the validity, the legitimacy, the authenticity of what we are hearing, what we are receiving. Whether you happen to be listening to me or whether you happen to be watching NBC, it doesn't matter. Need to pause for a moment, take a moment of silence, (laughs) and consider. Wherever we're receiving this information, are they actually even attempting to tell us the truth or to portray something accurately and honestly? Are they even attempting to? Or, in fact, are they attempting to blind us, to sway us, to pervert us, to corrupt us, to manipulate us, to make us dupes and use us for their purposes. There are any number of things going on here at this point in time that jump out. The You know that old saw about that misery loves company. Well, I'm sure for many that is true. For many that is true. For me, that is not true. I have never desired that others, that good people, decent people, halfway decent people, whatever, that they experience what I've experienced. That's never been in me, to desire that. I've always instead desired the same good things, good and perfect gifts for others, for the good people, that I desire for myself. Yes, Jesus said there is none good but God. But he was speaking of a different measure of good. I'm talking about people that the men love their wives, the women love their husbands, they love their children, they want even better for their children than they want for themselves. As an example, people that care, that care about the welfare of their pets, their animals. I'm not talking about PETA. I'm not talking about some political activists that exploit animals for their ends. No. But people that want good for their family and loved ones and for others, the peaceful in the land, the quiet in the land, the silent majority, wherever that started, I don't know, but... Certainly that is identified with Richard Milhouse Nixon, his use of that term. I've always desired that. I do not desire that others experience misery because I have. But there are other people that are of different mind. Not only desire that others suffer what they've suffered, but that others suffer much worse than they've suffered and so forth, and to inflict suffering on others. But there is a rash, that's a poor term, there is a significant amount of extremely challenging inclement weather 
across the United States of America, now making its way up the East Coast. Yes, it will be here in Maine and in Vermont and New Hampshire and Massachusetts and so forth, but that's not something new. It's been here, right? But it's hitting Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. Ice storms, and what they're referring to as a bomb cyclone. Very dangerous conditions. Very, very, very dangerous road conditions. And in the past, it's always amazed me to see people going out from their homes on days not to go to work, not something essential or quasi-essential, but just, just on a whim to to go out on the road when conditions are really treacherous. I advise against it. Meanwhile, I have driven in horrible conditions, not like those ice road truckers up in Alaska or up in northern Canada or in Siberia and what have you, but, but treacherous conditions uh, under... Um, incredibly challenging uh, circumstances and over the years and have lived to tell about it. But these conditions are very challenging. Meanwhile, while this is going on, California is burning. And to add insult to injury, insurance companies now are choosing to non-renew insurance policies for homeowners across a great swath of California. Not just because of the wildfires and the fact that they have been so devastating as of late, but also because they are expecting worse in the future due to the devastation a vast, vast amounts of acreage of forest due to beetles, bark beetles, which have systematically killed vast swaths of forest and which are just waiting to go up in flames. And it's not just in California. This has occurred in Oregon and Washington and other states. There have been terrible fires this year past. <laughs> I say year past. It's We are in 2018. So uh, even though as far as I'm concerned, we're still in the same year, in 2017, in Montana, Washington State, Oregon, California, Canada, terrible fires. But to add insult to injury, homer, homeowners... In California and other states are now finding they cannot renew their homeowner's insurance. Amazing. Or cannot purchase new insurance. And or if they can renew or purchase new insurance, everything, virtually everything that they would be insuring against is being excluded. Now, there's a an, a commercial for a particular kind of a, a service, if you will, and it refers to the insurance that the insurance that it covers, that just generic, typical insurance, it covers all of these things that you know that you have been told in the past that these are acts of God. You know, anything that is in the natural world that is violent and destructive, it's an act of God. That they make it out that regular insurance covers those things. It just doesn't cover anything specific to appliances in a house and roof and these other things. Well, that is nonsense. 
Insurance companies over the years have typically excluded, in so many cases, what they could term an act of God. Well, here in California and in other states, they are expanding the breadth of that, the reach of that, to exclude virtually everything for many. But back to acts of God, this is like with the pilgrims and Puritans. They did view droughts, floods, fires, different things as being, as it were, acts of God and directly attributable to human actions, human behaviors, sinful human behaviors. Well, the only time the term acts of God is used here in the United States of America that I'm aware of is when it serves the purposes of those using it. Again, the case with regard to insurance. To exclude coverage benefits for homeowners who've lost their homes or who have had their homes severely damaged by this kind of storm or that kind of storm or this kind of event or other. Another type of event that is going on here in this nation pertains to the economy. I know we supposedly have a booming economy. I keep hearing about how tremendous the economy is right now. And it's funny, when a president comes into office and there is an upturn of some sort or other in the economy, the incoming president will always take, care, take very careful attention to humbly accept credit for it, whereas the prior president will invariably do everything in their power to remind everyone that whatever good is happening in his successor's administration is thanks to him, and whatever bad is happening is due to the successor. And you will see this Every single changing of the guard. Okay? So if there are economic difficulties during the latter part of a presidential administration, followed by improved economic conditions shortly after the installation of his successor, We will again hear claims being made, taking credit for it from from both presidential administrations. But for my part, I have yet to see what a booming economy we have, what a wonderful economy we have. I I haven't seen it. I know the stock market is in the stratosphere. Uh, That hasn't helped me, just on the contrary. But it's in the upper stratosphere. It is reaching new heights you know, continually that it has never seen before. However, if those heights were averaged, you know, over the decades, I think, you know, in in terms of inflation, if you will, of those values, I think you would find that they are not so lofty after all, uh, except in some some negative ways, in terms of how highly leveraged various different investments are. But what's going on on the boots on the ground level is something else again. 2017 was a record year, a bumper year for store closings, store closures, as they refer to them. I prefer the term closing because then we hear so much about, you know, we're having We need to reach closure over something. So closings, store closings, and also bankruptcies of stores 
of retail stores, retail companies. A record year, 2017. 2018 is expected to be much worse. That's right. 2018 is supposed to be much worse than 2017 when it comes to closings of retail stores, bankruptcies, foreclosures. And 2019 is expected to be worse than that. So now these are things that, you know, it's the economy stupid that people do get interested in and excited about in typical presidential election years. They don't pay heed to other things that are of critical importance. They will just push those off to the back burner. Oh my gosh, these social issues, these moral issues, those don't really matter. What matters is how strong is the economy. And they fail to see that in the long run, maybe not next quarter, maybe not with these blinders on and looking only a quarter or two or three or four or five ahead. But in the long run, the economy is tied to these other things, to the moral corruption debasement of the nation. And the military strength will go with that the same way. Decline in the moral fabric of a nation inevitably results in decline across the board. You know that saying Ronald Reagan was fond of, that a rising tide lifts all boats. Well, as the moral fabric of a nation is destroyed, that sinks all boats all homes, all households. There are all manner of things going on over in Iran, and some would have us believe that, yes, this new generation, this young working class, educated people, that they will succeed in in bringing about democracy there. Well, as long as the Islamo-fascists bloodily, savagely repel it, as they did in communist China and so many other places. Those young working class protesters and such have a very dark future. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But... Perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Thank you.